Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. At 10.30 on the morning of April 7, 1909, Matthew Henson, a 42-year-old black man from Charles County, stood on the ice 500 miles out in the Arctic Sea and watched the renowned explorer Robert E. Perry hobbling back to camp. The two men had worked together for 22 years, and this was their eighth attempt to discover the North Pole. Perry was determined to be the first. In 1892, he had broken his leg on an expedition, but kept going until forced to turn back. In 1899, his feet froze in his boots and nine toes had to be amputated. This time they were close and they knew it. Perry had gone out a few miles to take the final readings, expecting to locate the exact spot himself. Yet as he drew closer, Henson could see no sign of joy on the commander's face. Five days ago, they had set out to cover the last 132 miles. Each day, a new sled and dog team had broken a trail over pressure ridges, some of them 100 feet high. They had to watch for cracks in the ice that opened and closed with fatal unpredictability, into which dogs and men sometimes vanished. Each day, the party grew smaller, as the previous day's lead sled peeled off and returned to the base camp. But they were moving fast. Henson had been making these marches for 18 years and marked off the miles in his head and in his legs. Perry's crippled feet forced him to ride the whole time in a dog sled, so he couldn't know that of which Henson was now certain. When they stopped the previous night, they had covered the entire 132 miles. Perry thought they had a little way to go, but Henson reckoned they could stop looking for the pole because they were standing on it. Henson was probably the only American of his day to have made himself fluent in the Eskimo language, Inuit, and he knew something else as well. He had overheard one of the Eskimos say how mean it was of Perry, to take two Inuit and leave Henson behind as he went out to look for the pole the next morning. In the racial calculus of the times, Eskimos counted for even less than black men, and Perry didn't want to share the glory with anyone. Perry was fiercely competitive and a huge egotist, but in matters of science he was not a liar. As he and Henson approached one another, each dealt with the fact that they had reached the pole yesterday together. Henson cheerfully held out his hand and said, Well, Mr. Perry, we're now at the pole, are we not? Perry looked away. He covered his eyes with both hands as though they hurt and grumbled that he wasn't entirely certain they had reached the pole. He hobbled off a short distance to take more measurements. Then he ordered the American flag raised over the camp. Henson led the Eskimos in three cheers, and a few hours later they began the dangerous trek back to Greenland. Along the way, Perry was cold as the ice itself. From the time we knew we were at the pole, Commander Perry scarcely spoke to me, Henson wrote. It grieved me very much. As soon as the expedition made its triumphant return to New York, the arguments with the doubters erupted. Perry defended his claim of having been the first man to reach the North Pole and gained wide fame. He was elected president of the all-white, all-male Explorers Club in New York. Henson, who had more than once saved Perry's life, but who couldn't hope to join the Explorers Club, took odd jobs to support himself. Four years after he had stood at the top of the world, he was parking cars in a Brooklyn garage. When a black politician found him and expressed his outrage at this injustice, Henson just smiled and said there were no sled teams to drive in Brooklyn. In 1920, a Navy admiral, writing in National Geographic, revisited the Perry expedition. The Negro, he said of Henson, was indispensable to Perry. With years of experience equal to that of Perry himself, an expert dog driver, a master mechanic, physically strong and most popular with the Eskimos, talking the language like a native, clean, full of grit. He went to the pole with Perry because he was easily the most efficient of all Perry's assistants. 
But this was the United States at the beginning of the 20th century, and Matthew Henson wasn't permitted to join the National Geographic Society either.